It's Halloween, the spookiest day of the year. Yes, I'm so spooked right now. So so spooked by the deck that I just tried to play in a league. Oh yeah, what deck was that? I ask. (laughs) Not not having seen the tail end of that stream. It was uh, Gruel Vehicles in Pioneer, which admittedly I got probably two of its worst possible matchups back to back and like bring to light into blue white lotus field but it just felt like none of my cards had text on them and they were all either three mana three threes or three mana creatures that can't attack and block which is a tough place to be against the control decks in the format was this bring to light omnath or like bring to light luca bring to light enigmatic bring to light omnath Oh man, I thought people just stopped playing that deck. Yeah, I was surprised to see it too, but it was it's certainly not beatable for like turn one elf on the draw into Bone Crusher Giant. It's just a big mid-range deck. They're good against other mid-range decks. Yeah. I I played against I like played a Phoenix League with a like kind of questionable Phoenix build, the one that that won the challenge. Uh, and played against Gruel and it didn't really feel close at all. So, I don't really know what you're beating with Gruel. Uh, your self-esteem, your morale. <laughs> You're just beating yourself up, yeah. I've actually been having a lot of fun with this preview season like of the, of the Caverns. Yeah. For like kind of two different reasons. It, it's just like an artifact set in disguise, so it's really good for the artifact cube. There's a lot of artifacts, yeah. And that like randomly a million cards that would like be instance or sorceries are just artifacts with come to play abilities that have craft. The divination is an artifact that crafts, yeah. Yeah, there's a divination that crafts. There's a a, a Gideon's reproach that crafts. There's <laughs> a like a two mana artifact that puts stun counters and taps a guy. A tormenting voice that crafts, yeah. Oh, I didn't even see that one. Yeah. <laughs> there really, there's just any instant or sorcery effect. They just threw it on an artifact, and I'm like, you know what? This is where it goes now. If you want to get to the backside of this card, you have to read four paragraphs of reminder text. Yep. And then you have to read the backside of the card to find out, like, what's the... And, and a lot of it is, like, yeah, you you cast a divination, so you don't get, like, that much from the backside of this card. So there's, like, a lot of text for, like, yeah, this, there's a little bit of value here. I actually really... So most of the time it makes sense, right? Like, there's a, uh, a bone splitter axe in red. It's just, like, red for plus two, plus two. And then yeah. when you craft it, it's a bigger axe that you can like fling things at, right? Yeah. It's just a larger thing. Does that make sense? But some of them were just super wild. Like the one that uh, the needle, it just like taps a creature and puts stun counters on it. When you craft that, it turns into a compass, which like makes sense flavorfully. But the front side of the card just tapped things and stunned them. The back side of the card just is an explore engine. Like you're just kind of exploring every turn. <laughs> That's clearly a top down design. I like looked at the front of the card, then I turned to the back, and then I'm like, wait, this is a different card, and then I turned it back over to see if it was like the wrong spoiler <laughs> or something. <laughs> like, did these two cards get confused? But no, it's just, you know, needle and a compass. Hey everyone. Welcome to episode 316 of the MGG Grindcast, the spookiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. 
We are your hosts. I didn't think of spooky names for us. That um, would require too much time thinking of yeah. puns with our names, and it's just better spit elsewhere. Yeah. Anyways, Lee's here. I'm here. It's Halloween. That's very cool. We haven't gotten any trick or treaters yet here. Yeah, I don't. We don't get trick or treaters in our neighborhood because it's too to the side and closed off. The children will travel to the neighborhoods with the rich people anyway. That that's good. Good for them. This is Halloween. Uh, I was learned this earlier today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just saw a Nightmare Before Christmas for the first time yesterday. But oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, I've, I had never seen it before. I didn't even realize it was a musical. So, so the funny thing about that, after the premiere of Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, like Danny Elfman went to the director. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, it was basically like his perspective is just like the movie is his songs and then the, the visuals just kind of accompany them, which isn't uh-huh. untrue. Because the um, until now, you know, the only exposure to a Nightmare Before Christmas I've had, because uh, and some people play the like Kingdom Hearts, which I've never played, so I don't even have that exposure. It's just literally the song. This is Halloween. Yes. Or uh, what is this? What's this? What's this? That one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those are the only two things I knew about it. So I just kind of assumed those were the musical numbers in an otherwise you know animated movie. But no, it's actually just an animated movie of musical numbers. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Yeah, the quote from Danny Elfman is, or he came up to, to Henry Selleck and said, Henry, you've done such a wonderful job illustrating my songs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. No, he's completely right. I didn't hate it either. It was good. No, it's a, it's a good movie. It's fun. And it's like 65 minutes long or something like that. It, it like flies. Well, that's because it was stop motion made probably yeah. in the 80s and early 90s. So it took them a long time. They, yes. They're not going to stretch that thing out to three hours. They would no. be working for decades. <laughs> You're very limited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, shall we talk about some Lost Caverns of Ixalan cards? Oh, yeah, sure. Let's do that. Great. This, fantastic. How do you like this set so far, by the way? Because I think it's fantastic. I, I do think it's cool. I don't know how many of the cards will be like super constructed relevant, but there are definitely a reasonable number of them, more than in original Ixalan, at least. It got me pretty excited for standard before I realized like the, the uh, Trilands are still legal and I don't really want to play in that format. Mm, so yeah. kind of a bittersweet realization. But for standard season, the Ixalan cards do look super cool. It's kind of like got the Kamigawa Neon Dynasty glow up. Yeah. Like yeah. between the Ixalan sets or between the Kamigawa sets. It's got that same kind of feel. Just like bigger and brighter and more energy than, than the original. And significantly more complicated. Yeah, yeah, and significantly more complicated. <laughs> but that's, in this case, that's good. There were so many French vanilla 2-1s for 2 in original Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan. It was, that draft format was bizarrely boring. The cards just didn't do anything. But it also gave us Colossal Dreadmaw, the most beloved French vanilla creature of all time. I know, and he's been outmoded. There's a more powerful Dreadmaw in this set. Just <laughs> Colossal Dreadmaw that also draws cards. Well, think of it this way. This is the uncommon Dreadmaw. Mm-hmm. You know, when we, next time we go to Ixlan, we'll get the rare, the rare Dreadmaw. I'm very excited. And as long as they're all six sixes for six with Trample, mm-hmm. you know, we could we could start get making an arc, you know, a story arc. As far as constructed relevant cards are concerned... Uh, I have started my list with Molten Collapse. 
This is a sorcery for black and a red. Choose one. If you descended this turn, you may choose both instead. And descend is if a permanent card was put into your graveyard from anywhere, then it's turned on. Uh, it also is like a weird threshold thing. If you have like descend, descend has three different meanings in the set. Oh, what's the uh, third one? Th those are the only two that I am aware of. I don't know. No, what I think the you're right. One is. I think there's just two. Okay. All right. Anyways, it has two fairly different meanings in the set. There's like a threshold way of doing, there's a threshold meaning and a turned on or not turned on for the turn meaning, just kind of a weird revolt. Oh, what's, what are you thinking? I, I found it. It was fathomless descent is the ability word, mm -hmm. which signifies that it cares about permanent cards in your graveyard in any number of ways. Oh, okay. But not specifically going to your graveyard or being in your graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh. It's fine. It's fine. Permanent cards in your graveyard. Molten Collapse is black and red for a sorcery. Choose one. If you descended this turn, you may choose both instead. One mode is destroy target creature or planeswalker, and the other is destroy target non-creature, non-land permanent with mana value one or less. So, strictly better Dreadbore that if you can turn on descend, like, absolutely crushes certain decks. Like, imagine... I don't know if we replace like terminate in scam because being an instant is really good, but casting this against like hardened scales or against, you know, also like has more text against amulet and stuff, but casting it against hardened scales seems pretty wild to me. I mean, forget like deck specific things. If you're playing Rakdos scam and you can, you can, you can uh, entwine this with a fetch land because that's right. a permanent right, card. Right, right. You can just, knock out any urza saga deck best like line against you which is make a giant construct to get a shadow spear like it does yeah. both of those things in one one card one fell yep. swoop yeah and i think that may be enough to being an instant is amazing don't get me wrong but this also you know there is upside to killing a planeswalker uh, not enough upside that we ever ran dreadbore over terminate in scam but small upside and then just sometimes it's a huge blowout that exactly like beats some of the best lines against you also going to see play anywhere dreadbore saw play in pioneer but i'm less concerned about that than like this might be great in scam i have a question so the reminder text of this mechanic says that it only works if a permanent card was put into your graveyard for anywhere mm -hmm. does this mean that it does not function with treasure tokens Right. Treasure, maps, any of those things, it, it does not, it doesn't have synergy with, which is a little odd given how many maps and treasures are in the set. Yeah, but that's just, I didn't think about it until now. And reminder text does not always tell the truth. So mm -hmm. just wanted to make sure I, I got that correctly. A little worse with the Rakavan and Fable of the Beer Breaker than it otherwise would be. Yeah. Although you can trigger it by discarding a permanent to fable to on chapter fable. two perfect kind of a narrow window but oh yeah still light it's still kind of gonna come up right yeah i think this card is is quite good i mean it's just an upgrade it's kind of like the mm -hmm. not dead after all from wildsville drain yeah where, oh yeah this card is obviously playable because the best deck in modern right now is going to want to play it yeah kind of wild if the best deck in modern gets upgrades in two consecutive sets just like strictly better versions of cards it was already playing i also think this card's a more sizable upgrade than not dead after all because not dead after yeah. all was like a damage here or there which matters mm -hmm. don't get me wrong but this one is like my removal spell that terminate is good but it's a lot of its utility is that it's a, a red black card mm -hmm. 
and a removal spell. Uh, this is both of those things, not an instant, which is a little worse, but it also just like shores up your normally uh, worse yeah. matchups, which is, you know, getting rid of an artifact, getting rid of hardened skills, getting rid of like a shadow spirit or a saga token or something like that. It just does so much that you need as opposed to terminate, which is just something you're playing because it's, it's, it has utility. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's a really good point. And I, yeah, likely that that will outweigh the instant speed on the terminate. I'm sure you'll come up, um, come across scenarios where terminate is better than molten collapse. Sure. Uh, especially against like blue decks, for instance, mm-hmm. Tide decks. But I think this is just such a sizable upgrade for a scam. A deck that really, really needed some help in modern. Yeah, it really just fallen by the wayside. Uh, I, I, I think it was like the top four of one of the challenges this weekend was all scam. Oh, no, it was the top six. The top six. One first, God. second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. <laughs> there was also one in eighth. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and then there were like eight more throughout the challenge. Yep. The, the deck is good. It's okay. I mean, maybe it'll do better with Molten Collapse so we can finally get the full eight. As soon as you can't beat it with Urza Saga, that's really what we needed to patch up. Right. I don't want to have, I don't want to play a deck with like weaknesses. No, absolutely not. Uh, my next one is Helping Hand. This is a one white mana sorcery. Return target creature card from with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So strictly worse, unearth, no cycling. The creature comes back tapped. But Unearth is very, very good, and this is not an effect that we have access to in Pioneer. And in White, that I think there's quite a bit you can do with it potentially. The biggest thing that just like immediately stands out is like this gets Monastery Mentor back for for one mana, and then you can trigger it very easily from there since your lands are all untapped. Stuff like Rakdos, you will play your Monastery Mentor, they'll stomp it or whatever, and then you can cast Helping Hand to get it back, get a couple of, of monks, and you're you're doing great. It also gets Academy Manufactor back, just like on Earth. Mm-hmm. It's not every Academy Manufactor deck wants to play Cookbook and, and Black Cards. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've definitely played more of the food Samwise Academy Manufacturer decks that don't sure. want as more. And it's nice to have like more redundancy so you can get back your Sam or your, your Academy Manufacturer and you don't have to play so many like Court of Callings to try yeah. and get more copies. Notably, bringing the creature back tapped means that this is not a Grease Fang card because you won't be able to create your Parhelion. And you know, you can't like block with the creature, but I think that there's a reasonable number like it's just very efficient when you do get a three mana creature back for one mana getting back like an extraction special specialist or something like that can be really good getting back even like a luminarch aspirant could be strong i don't know that there's like that much of a i don't know maybe in humans like redundancy getting back your must kill like luminarch aspirants and and like thalia's lieutenants and stuff like that like that could be really good potentially is that a deck where you'd want to max out on extraction specialists first, especially with probably, and they don't do that, so right, yeah, because because this card does have a floor that's like bad, where you don't really have anything to return with it, and it doesn't do anything. Yeah, like even if you have you know a random two drop that doesn't really impact the board, it's not a card. You need you need to have your cards like do stuff. It also does suffer from like 
the best three drop not being a creature because you can't get back fable of the mirror breaker the best three drop creature is fable of the mirror breaker and that doesn't come back with helping hand but still i think it's a, a nice little side grade to unearth especially in pioneer where you just don't get unearth yeah yeah i think that this will probably see a pretty reasonable amount of play in pioneer in modern i'm kind of interested in trying it out in some non-black decks like helping hand targeting ranger captain of eos is like really really good so i wonder if there is some something there that this unlocks what, what kind of ranger captain are you playing because every time i've seen a ranger captain in the wild nowadays it is either in a bad creature deck or a neat uh, cauldron deck and yes. targeting your captain range captain of eos with soul cauldron is also very good <laughs> that's true but yeah and it probably would be like so like a thing that i'm thinking of and, and we're like missing a piece for it but there's there's some sort of humans deck that exists that is like you've got champion of the paris and parish and you've got thali's lieutenant and you just kind of beat down generally and you've got ranger captain of eos that can get your your good creatures but can also just get walking ballista and then if you cauldron a walking ballista and your humans just happen to have like five or six plus one plus one counters on them because they're champions of the parish and thali's lieutenants then you just get to like machine gun your opponent to death micaeus the lunark you can get with ranger captain put into the graveyard exile it with cauldron and then all of your creatures just like put plus one plus one counters on each other it's really cute it's not modern power level and it's like missing a piece or two because there aren't enough humans with good activated abilities that are also playable on their own merits so you know this is all kind of a pipe dream but like helping hand would be pretty good in that kind of deck i need mckay the lunark in pioneer yeah for these soul cauldron decks yeah I agree. Also, unban walking ballista, and then like I'm down to to figure this all out. Uh, unban walking ballista is my my go to yeah, generally speaking in pioneer. Anyway, <laughs> cards so fun. I don't care that it's good. Like good cards can exist. I, I walking ballista only got banned because it is a combo with Heliod. So just ban Heliod, and it's fine. I think I'd be okay with the Heliod combo right now, to be honest. Probably like, would be. There's reasonable. other stuff anymore in the format now too. The whole this isn't a balanced episode, but I don't like the protecting the cards on the ban list forever philosophy, yeah. which it's generally has. Yeah, I I agree. We've got spelunking. This is two and a green for an enchantment. When it ETBs, draw a card, and you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. If you put a cave onto the battlefield this way, you gain four life. And lands you control enter the battlefield untapped. So a little more expensive than explore has kind of a pseudo amulet attached to it but not quite not quite an amulet because it doesn't combine with additional amulets yeah it doesn't stack up triggers like amulet does but mm -hmm. i was surprised to learn that this, this does interact positively with amulet of vigor like it doesn't just overwrite amulet of vigor yeah you can if you have a land that comes into play tapped you can Naturally. choose to have it come into play tapped like this doesn't because lands come into play and they come into play just untapped generally the like thing on your bounce lands that says it comes into play tapped is actually a replacement effect and this is also a replacement effect and they both replace how the land comes into play so you get to choose which one applies to it yeah choose which order they apply to so yes yeah obviously one supersedes the other but if you choose to put in your cinema growth chamber tapped your amulets will trigger and if you don't have an amulet you don't have to so you can just put it in a play untapped it's a very strong interaction that I did not realize occurred. 
because it's it's kind of unintuitive if you've never thought about it uh, until I think Dom posted it on Twitter with a judge who yeah. verifying that and everyone of course immediately countermands the judge saying <laughs> that's definitely not how this works because it is unintuitive but it is you know. weird and because like you're comparing it to other magic cards in the like can and can't space I think where like can't always overrides can but this is different because it's replacement effects right yeah it's it's super neat I, I think it's mostly an amulet card I don't know where else it would be played I, th- I think Lotus Field is the other like card that this like has some potential with it doesn't work super well in like the Lotus Field deck like you probably just want more two mana things that help you find Lotus Field rather than this like expensive thing but it gives you like an immediate activation of your lotus field like there's something there yeah th- this is every time something lets you cheat on lands lotus field is worth looking at mm-hmm. uh, i don't know how this really fits into like you said the pioneer lotus field combo deck but if you wanted to do bant control with lotus field like you, you that was already control one right if you wanted to like the the four life is actually pretty cool in that sort of style of deck if, if you have caves worth playing and there are some cool caves in the set well there's one specific wonder. cave that is potentially kind of neat with lotus field it kind of makes me wonder if spelunking will like spawn a new control lotus field archetype sure yeah so there's echoing deeps which is a cave that Taps were colorless, or you can have it enter the battlefield tapped as a copy of any land card in the graveyard, except it's a cave in addition to its other types. So a little land reanimation kind of effect or land body double kind of thing. Like can't give you redundancy on like your count of Lotus Fields, but could if you're doing some basically if you're doing some sort of aspiring spike type thing with lotus fields then this this can give you additional lotus fields after you've like sacrificed one to itself i mean there's the cycle of discover caves which are medium but there's mm-hmm. also a, a creature land cave that is cavernous maw it's a uh, just like a waste it comes to play untapped it that taps for colorless and then you can pay two to make it a three three creature that's still a cave but you can only activate it if the number of other caves you control plus the number of caves in your graveyard is three or greater. <laughs> that seems <laughs> you can't tough. make it easy. I don't know. It is a really good rate for a creature land if you can activate it, mm-hmm. which I, I'm kind of hopeful they will print more cards like the Echoing Deeps Yeah, because that's a really good one as long as you can constantly put cards in your graveyard and have lands to copy and you're putting in the extra lands like, like extra caves and gaining four life I, I think that could be cool i also like how echoing deeps like can just be it, an untapped land when you just need the mana that turn it's like vesiva except for yeah it has a mana ability yeah did you know vesiva comes to play untapped if you don't copy anything oh yeah but and, and so you need a a dryad or something in play in order right. to get mana out of it yeah yeah, yeah that's funny it doesn't come up very often, but it's pretty cute when it does. Every once in a while, yeah. Uh, we got Glimpse the Core, which is, you know, we're getting a little sort of rampant growth. One in a green for a sorcery. You search your library for a basic forest card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Or you return a cave from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So this is closer to like Wolf Willow Haven than a rampant growth. And definitely the ramp decks right now don't have a lot of basic forests in them and really need 
their like ramp to be also fixing their mana because they're many many colors and their leyline binding decks and stuff. But this is it does ramp you for two mana. Yeah, I I don't think this card's very good because of what you said. Like yeah. we had rampant growth in standard for a very 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 long time before they stopped printing rampant growths. And rampant growth was not played that often unless there mm-hmm. was a specific ramp deck that needed the ability to like shoot up in mana really fast. Or the last one I remember was Valakut, where it right. just like needed literal lands in play as fast as possible. And the best part about the ramp cards were always like the good ones, like Sakura Tribe Elder, were they fixed your mana, like all of your colors of mana. And did something. And yeah. did something else. <laughs> like Sakura Tribe Elder was probably the best one because it blocked it. For sure. You then fixed your mana and ramped you. But even just like rampant growth or Farseek, Farseek was very good too because it got a, a Shockland for you. This card just gets a forest. It's like Wolf Willow Haven, but you don't have any synergies or anything with it. You can't. Right, even Wolf Willow Haven's better because it like has enchantment stuff if that's yep. what you're caring about, or Devotion if you hate me. <laughs> <laughs> this will probably see some play in Standard, but probably not in like a particularly good deck is, is sort of the feeling that I get from it. Don't think it'll see play for like a year until the minimum mm-hmm. until the trial triumphs rotate out. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because those cause, are just way too integral to the ramp decks right now. And and any deck casting this is never going to beat the like explosive vegetations into a Traxa deck. Like you're just yeah, exactly. the worst version of that and, and you're gonna have a terrible matchup. And the uh the elephant domain card as well. Is something to think about. I cannot remember the name of it. Thunder's Herd? Herd Migration. Yeah, Herd Migration. Thank you. I said some keywords. You yeah, had to I, rely I on you to put together. Um, we've got Dusk Rose Reliquary. It's a white mana for an artifact. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice an artifact or creature. It exiles target artifact or creature and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. And it has Ward 2. So a... a, a neat little like it's kind of a bone shards bone splinters spark harvest kind of thing and so yeah, to me this is like a black card in disguise it is <laughs> like, yeah. uh the the main thing that it has over like spark harvest is that you can sacrifice an artifact to pay its cost and we've seen like how big of a deal that is for like deadly dispute and and similar cards where that lowers the the barrier to entry by quite a bit especially in a format with map tokens and stuff like that this could be a pretty efficient removal spell yeah it it reminds me of that two drop from lord of the rings it's like sack a token and it's a fiend hunter mm-hmm. uh, two two vigilance yeah i don't know the name of it i'm sorry that's the like sheriff or whatever yeah shire sheriff shire sheriff like yeah yeah because <laughs> it really wants you to just like sack a random token so you get the most mana value out of your your card mm-hmm. uh, and it even gives you like a little ward too so it's a little harder to remove than average you need the right deck for this, but it it is pretty efficient, and especially if you're just making map tokens and stuff, it's a it's a good use for them, and it kills anything of any creature, any artifact of any size, and exiles it. So that could be useful, but it is just a removal spell. It's nothing to like write home about. I don't think it's it's kind of neat that it's flexible and gets artifacts because there are a lot of artifacts in this set, and I don't know that any are worth like building a deck around right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did recently spoil a a two mana white artifact that makes mana for artifacts, and there's a 
kind of a construct focus in white that that she's been spoiling so i'm curious if they're really trying to push white tribal artifact matters decks yeah this could be a good card in those decks and possibly against them yeah a, a neat card for those decks is thousand moon smithy so this is two white white for a legendary artifact when it etbs you create a white gnome soldier artifact creature token five types and a color as descriptors for this token a white gnome soldier artifact creature token with (laughs) this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of artifacts and or creatures you control uh so you kind of get it's a format artifact that like makes basically a regal bunny corn when it enters the battlefield and at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase you may tap five untapped artifacts and or creatures you control if you do transform thousand moon smithy and it transforms into a legendary artifact land that taps to add a white and when you, whenever you cast an artifact or creature spell using mana it produced, you get another one of those white gnome soldier artifact creature tokens. Whew. These cards have a lot of text. Yeah, the front and back. And that, that was one of the cards I was thinking of where it's a four mana payoff that starts putting in pretty big creatures into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, pending if you can put artifacts in your deck that a material type card where it's just like white artifact to make a map or something like that. That's yeah. two artifacts where you can tap stuff. That card doesn't exist yet, but they are explicitly not previewing us commons for whatever reason. <laughs> we have very <laughs> few commons out of this set right now as of time of recording. And that's the type of card I would expect to be a common. You know, there's a creature for green that's a 1-1 that explores when it ETBs. Like there is some stuff that just kind of generates material that could be useful for cards like this. Uh, Kellen makes a map or two if your opponent has an artifact, mm-hmm. the, the, the green-white Kellen. There's also the uh, Siren map maker or whatever. It's a blue mana flying man that makes a map on the battlefield. Yeah. So I'm hopeful we get more as they've like dropped the full set and reveal all the commons because those are the type of cards I just kind of expect to be at a common level. Like mini partings was a common in Lord of the Rings, which was right. Lay of the Land plus food. Yeah, just a lot of like you know, worse Thraven inspectors is what this thing needs. Yeah, and in white would be ideal. Yeah. The one thing that I think really holds this back is the card Farewell. This is an artifact on the backside, and Farewell just ruins everything that you've been doing to enable it, everything that you've been paid off for doing, and, like, just to add insult to injury, it exiles this regardless of what side it's on. And you're clearly playing like a grindy board control deck that's just trying to be bigger on board than your opponent is. And the card farewell just like says, please don't bother doing that. So that's going to be a tough matchup for any any deck that's doing this, like put a bunch of Thraben Inspector things into play for future value purposes. Yeah, that's that's really rough. What are the next few sets? Like, uh, it doesn't matter. Mechanics are fake. I wouldn't have expected Ixalan to be an artifact set anyway. Yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> it's pretty art, but it makes sense. You're discovering like lost civilizations. Like the gnomes were underneath the caverns this yeah, whole time. The gnomes were there all along. <laughs> I like the gnomes a lot more than I like the vampires or the pirates. That's for sure. The gnomes are cool. The the wrestler gnome. I'm a big fan of. Which one was the wrestler gnome? It's like a blue one one flash that when it etbs gives your gives a creature minus two oh, minus oh yeah it's he's like on top of a dead stone giant or something yeah, doing the flex doing, doing the like crab arms in the air pose yeah he's great he's yeah. fantastic 
Yeah, not a playable card, but very great. Yes, just wonderful art. Um, okay. I don't know. What are you excited about? I I just got to the tormenting voice, so <laughs> I, I actually quite like this card. It's a Healy's Lattice. Yeah, it's one in a one in a red artifact. Uh, when there's a battlefield, you can discard a card. If you do, draw two. And it crafts with one or more dinosaurs uh, for five mana. Have we explained what craft is? You you exile it and whatever things that you're exiling from either the battlefield or your graveyard. And then this thing comes back transformed into whatever's on the backside. Yeah. And, and this particular one is an X4 dinosaur artifact that his power is equal to the total number of exiled cards used to craft it. The total power of the exiled cards. Yeah, total power, because you can craft with one or more dinosaurs. Yeah. And the dinosaurs in the set are actually kind of cool. There's several red ones, like specifically in Mono Red, that have very good size, because they're dinosaurs, mm -hmm. and also like pretty good abilities. Uh, the one I'm thinking of is the... Uh, what what is the oh it's not on this one where, you think where, of the, the six like, drop channel of, one i was thinking of the channel one yeah six mana dinosaur that when it etbs you do whatever the whatever it's called cascade for five and then you can discard it and pay two in a red to deal three damage to any target and it's like a, a seven six or something like that it's pretty big it's a six drop but it's it's neat it's in the category of things you can put into a cascade deck, but three mana to deal three damage to something is like a pretty horrific rate in modern. So that may not be what we're using it for. Open fire is not a very good card. Three damage to any target for three mana. No, but I don't even know why I like Sahili's Lattice that much because crafting with dinosaurs is pretty expensive. It's not like you're trying to play your. Uh, you're not trying to discard your guy. No, the craftability craft on Sahili's Lattice is pretty awful. Like it, it comes back as just an X4, and you have to do it at sorcery speed. So you pay five mana, you get an X4, and hope for the best. I, I think the main draw is just that it's a tormenting voice that leaves an artifact behind for you to do stuff with. Is that craft is not great and red? I think it's mostly supposed to be in blue and white. Is mm -hmm. the vibe I've kind of got. Because that's where all the artifact spells are. Sure. Uh, and then the red stuff is kind of just leftovers. Yeah. Oh, they reprint Sorcerer Spyglass. That's neat. Oh yeah, you can't not have it in Nixalon. Yeah. I mean, you you easily can. You could. I don't I don't know why they keep trying to do <laughs> cards must be reprinted wherever they need to. Oh, they reprinted Rampaging Frost on too, and Standard. Very cool. Is it still going to be banned in Standard? Well, they unbanned it, didn't they? Right before. Oh, I guess they did. <laughs> okay, wait, hold on. If a card is banned in standard, and then it later gets reprinted in a standard legal set, is it still banned in standard if they haven't specifically unbanned it? Is that how the ban list works? I feel like this is a question that has been answered already, but I like, don't know. Like Stoneforge Mystic banned, isn't right? on the standard ban list, is it? No, Jugger Juggernaut was banned at one point, right? Sure. And then it was reprinted in Dark Steel. I and think. I guess it was never unbanned in the meantime, specifically. Right. That's just the first one that comes to mind. I'm sure there's a yeah. better example. Curdeep? Curdeep was banned too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That got reprinted. So they didn't have to unban it. They just, they just, you know, they gave it a minute back in standard and, and, and now, now he's back again. Wow. So are these special guest cards? 
legal and standard because some of them are not what I expect. Like Miri, Weatherlight Duelist, it has LCI. At no, the no, no, no. The the special guest cards are not standard legal. They're not part of the set. Are you sure? I'm 100% confident. Okay. Okay, cool. Because that's <laughs> I was getting used to the play boosters where the special guests are part of the set. And also the box toppers have the the LCC code, which is the commander set. So they're not legal and standard. But the special guests have the LCI code, which is the standard legal set. I mean, who knows? It's impossible to keep track. So I'll just use Scryfall to tell me what I can play. I mean, that's <laughs> more reliable than Gatherer nowadays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember when Skullclamp was unbanned in Modern on Gatherer. <laughs> Quick, quick. Register Skullclamp. It, it was banned on Scryfall, so you could never oh, get so away you with it. Can't get away with it. Because oh, right. judges don't pull up gatherer to check legality, and <laughs> that's what you're technically supposed to do. <laughs> Everyone just pulls up Scryfall. No, yeah, that way just lies pain. Alright, you got another one in mind, or I can I can talk about one. Uh you go ahead, because most of the cards I've been excited about, I've been looking at a cube context. I haven't really thought about constructed that much sure it's a cube con type of uh, withdrawal there's a lot of cube friendly cards in this set that is for sure yeah we've got watley poet of unity two and a green for a two three when she ecbs search your library for a basic land reveal it put it into your hand then shuffle and she has three and two white red hybrid mana exile her then return to the battlefield transformed Activate only as a sorcery. She turns into a saga. Chapter one, you make two, three, three green dinosaurs. Chapter two, the saga gains creatures you control have tap, add a red, a green, or a white mana. Chapter three, you search your library for a dinosaur card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. And chapter four, dinosaurs you control gain double strike and trample until end of turn. If you've ever wanted a borderland, ever considered wanting a borderland <laughs> ranger. This is this is the the most Borderland Ranger of all. It's the best Borderland Ranger of all time. It's a lot like the you know Flip Nissa, which is from a long time ago. They had to tack some onto it, and you do have to pay mana for this one. But it also flips much earlier, and when it works, five mana, then you get off of your like creature that already gave you value five mana, and then you get two three threes maybe some mana out of it you get to search your library for a creature card like that's a lot well, on the back of a for a dinosaur ranger. card for a dinosaur yeah so we gotta run some ferocidons or something in our deck some dread maws yeah probably or thrashing brontodon is a reprint that's very yeah. good and very i love a thrashing brontodon yeah that's that's a card i can imagine searching for often if i'm playing this card mm -hmm. i don't know if if we want a borderland ranger but i'm not sure that we don't when it does this much yeah it fixes mana too because you can get any kind of basic lands on like a basic force like the flip nissa yeah i don't hate this card i think it's a little small potatoes is what's going on right now but it is a good bridge card like if you are playing this in and sort of some sort of a traxa type deck mm -hmm. your main goal is a traxa but as a backup goal make a bunch of dinosaurs and have a ramp um stuff not the worst no, not and the worst. You know what? You know what is a dinosaur? A tolly. Oh, that's a really good point. Actually, that's a especially because this saga still has 
creatures you control have tap to add a mana. So mm-hmm. like you will definitely be able to cast a Tali when you search it up with chapter three. All right, you can tap your little dinos for the mana. All right. That's kind of hot. I, I think that that makes a huge difference here. And I, I'm I'm into this in some sort of Naya Atali deck. Yeah, or, or, you know, four or five color as it so happens. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. You're Tribal probably, Trails. you're just, you have to be at least Naya, but you're probably more. Yeah, you can't have your, like Atali be your main payoff because if you get the ended, you're, you're out of luck, right? Sure. So maybe there's like more, I mean, Gishath was is illegal now and it's also garbage <laughs> so you, you really want to just like play the best beaters and I think that's still a Trax and Atali but this sure. being able to get on chapter 3 and then probably cast it that turn and then the next turn it gets double strength trample if it's still around that's a nice little little curve yeah if, if the Atali it. itself doesn't just like KO your opponent which it often does but I, I like this card I, I'm really into it in an Atali deck that sounds but this, pretty this good does to really me. do a lot for 3 mana no, but it well like the upside <laughs> for of a three it, mana oh, card. <laughs> right, right, right. But the the thing is like Borderland Ranger is pretty bad because of the two two body they just get to ignore for free, and that's less true with this thing. Like, yeah, you have to put mana into it to make it do a thing. But if they just haven't killed it, and then you get to your turn and you just like have five mana, then you just like they they can't ignore the fact that that is going to happen it's threatening to do a powerful thing and that's very different from just like random borderland ranger body yeah i i like this card a lot i i didn't even consider the atali thing until you were running through it but that, yeah. i think that makes a, a big difference just yeah, having I, something I can to do off the third chapter visualize the deck that it goes into now in a way that i wasn't really able to before next i've got keeper of the inner sky this is one white mana for a one two human soldier as long as there are three or more counters on it, it has flying and vigilance. And you can tap three untapped artifacts and or creatures you control, put a plus one plus one counter on it, then scry one, activate only as a sorcery. This is as far as like the filler bodies that you play on turn one to make your other cards work in human and soldiers deck are like this seems quite good to me. Potentially in combination with like Thalia's Lieutenants, Luminarch Aspirants and stuff like that to get it there quickly. And it just gets flying in Vigilance. Like this is kind of massive for one mana. I, yeah, this is the, the card that I looked at and was like trying to figure out how to enable it. Yeah. <laughs> because it's it gets really powerful if you can consistently activate it. It's just like kind of a steep cost mm-hmm. if you're not churning out maps or clues or food or whatever. Sure. But it's really good in a board stall, too. Like, if your opponent has managed to block you, and then you just, you know, all right, well, I'll tap three creatures, put a counter on it, scry, and then at some point, it's just attacking for four or more power, flying vigilance. I've been kind of interested in trying to see if you could build a uh, Orzhov-centered creature deck mm-hmm. uh, with the new Aristocrat card. Ptolemy, I think. Let me go find him. It's white and a black for 2-1. It's Ptolemy del Presidio mm. uh, for a legendary vampire knight. And you can sacrifice another creature artifact as an activated ability to put a plus one plus one counter on him. Uh, that's unbounded. So it's one of the rarest times we've seen unbounded sacrifice yeah. effect. <laughs> and it, it's a carrion feeder that can block, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of been trying to keep an eye on the material cards in white and black and possibly another color as long as you can try on the way with stuff because that's a legendary creature. And if you can find stuff that makes maps, they, it's free sack outlets. Uh, like there's a random artifact in the set that 
scries and then you can flip it into a creature but i'm not really interested in that i want just permanents on the battlefield to make other permanents and to make cards like keeper of the inner sky and bartolome playable could be something interesting if they have given us enough to work with it's also kind of cute with like cauldron just giving your creatures the sacrifice ability could could put could do something i i'm having trouble like understanding exactly what cards are in the deck but the fact that this yeah, is, i need yeah, to like, look at white black right <laughs> um activated abilities because that would be neat if there's some combo with anytime there's an activated ability that does not cost mana yeah that's something worth looking at especially because possible encounter like bartolome does i just don't i don't know how to assemble the pieces yet no me neither but it is one bartolome is one of the cards that kind of piques my interest in okay this is an unbounded sacrifice ability is yeah. there enough to do with this uh because the the last time we had this it was like on cartel aristocrat i think the one that just gets protection and making your creature huge is typically a lot better than making a 2-2 protection for a turn mm -hmm. <laughs> and that cuts all a lot of play can, yeah as long as you can do stuff with it and something like keeper of the inner sky i think would be a good backup plan for that and a deck that is putting a bunch of permanents into play like if you're devouring sugar maw right that's one and a white make a one one make a food mm. and then it has a creature on the back end yeah uh, but if you're just casting the two mana version up front keeper of the sky already has a complete set to work with because on turn one you could keeper turn two you can go whatever devouring sugar Maw's adventure is and you can tap all three of your permanence to put a plus also counter on the keeper yeah that's a really good point because this also curves into like resolute reinforcements really well too it just mm -hmm. turn anything one keeper. that makes two permanents for two mana is going to make yeah. keeper really good well not really good because you are giving up some damage like if you cast resolute reinforcements on turn two for instance mm -hmm. you can only activate the sorcery speed so you can't do the flash reinforcements thing right and you are giving up like a point of damage with the keeper uh, with the sugar mods a lot less important because you're not using the food to attack or anything so you can just tap it mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't matter that's kind of why i'm into uh, artifact permanent creation because anytime you can just tap three artifacts it's going to be relatively free if they're maps or and this is good with maps in general because if you just crack the map and have this creature explore it doesn't care where it gets the counters from right <laughs> so right you can exactly start pumping this up pretty early well and that's why my my first thought was hey with luminarch aspirant and Thali's Lieutenant and Pioneer. Like this feels like probably the best one drop creature for the humans deck in Pioneer now. There's also some weirder cards like um, Enduring Bond Warden. That's the backup creature mm. that you can move counters along with. Uh, there's an artifact in this set that's one in a green. It's like a, a cache or something. It comes to play with a bunch of plus one plus one counters and you can move them to a creature and then whenever a creature with a plus one counter dies you can move its counters onto the artifact again so it's kind of like a little ozolith and i'm not really advocating for a yeah a plus one, plus like one, counter, a theme plus plus one counter theme deck but it's an interesting little synergy and i mean the green ozolith is in standard so if if it's going to see play anywhere it would be a standard type deal with botanical yeah. brawler and that kind of deal yeah, there, there might be something there. Yeah, for sure. But this is a card that would be cool if you can just, you know, tap some artifacts you've got, put a counter mm -hmm. on it, keep going along. Yeah, it also, like, the fact that it scries in addition feels pretty generous. Like, you can 
kind of keep it going, find your payoffs. And and I, I do really like that. I think this card's pretty flexible if you can yeah. actually activate it. Yeah, I, I, I like it a lot. I think it's really good. There's also a, I mean, while I'm in like green, white headspace for some reason, uh, there's a three drop I really like this set. It's a Kutzil Balamet Exemplar. This is mm-hmm. a one green, white, three, three cat warrior. Ooh. Uh, your opponents can't cast spells during your turn. And whenever one or more creatures you control with power greater than its base power deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. Yeah. It's just kind of a neat... I don't think this card's very good, but it is a neat little thing in this theoretical uh, Keeper of the Inner Sky counters type deal. Sure. And it, the the dose in the Falling Leaf text, the, the lockout text, is really important for these green-white decks before they go all in on a creature. Like that's yeah. a big pitfall of green white text where you just you want to do stuff at sorcery speed to buff your creatures or see what you can do. You don't you you like putting your cards up front and getting damage out of them, and then your opponent can kill you with a removal spell and it sucks. Also, uh, just as a baseline, playing a three mana creature is often feels bad. Like even on the play, like your opponent passed on turn two, you pay three mana for a creature. And then there's just like, oh, good. I get to use my mana to go for the throw of this or whatever. Yeah, I finally get to use my lightning strike on your 3-3 or whatever. Yeah. And and this doesn't let that happen, which, you know, a lot of constructed magic is making your opponent's turns more awkward for them. And if you do that a few times, then that that becomes a stumble. And so I think that this helps make like normal play patterns not work out as well for your opponent i i don't know that this like gets there because it is still at its core a trained armadon but it is allowing you to do stuff on your turn that otherwise would be like too scary to do yeah oh i almost (laughs) made a mistake and wanted to talk about a commander card Mm -hmm. but i narrowly caught myself thank you i appreciate the effort Again, wondering why all the commander cards are super cool <laughs> and they don't let you play with them. Um, one card that I think is pretty cool, unlikely to be a thing, but not a commander card, even though it like looks like maybe it would be, is Sahili, the Sun's Brilliance. This is blue and a red for a 2-2 legendary creature human artificer. Blue and a red, tap create a token that's a copy of another target creature or artifact you control except it's an artifact in addition to its other types it gains haste sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step you know this is just a pretty cheap creature with a like a a copy ability that can't like go infinite or anything like kiki jiki but you potentially could get a ton of value it is expensive like it's two mana for a two two and then it's two mana to activate it so unlikely to be easy to use but it also like could work with cauldron you put this on a cauldron and then you have creatures that can just like make copies of stuff and you could get a lot of value that way this is like a powerful activated ability which i now every card every creature with a powerful activated ability that's like anywhere close to playable and this being a two mana creature is kind of nice as you know you put it into play if they kill it you put it under cauldron if they don't kill it like maybe you start getting value out of it i, I think this card's neat there's also a couple things that make this I do think this card's neat, but a little too expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they've seeded a really cool, bad blue-red artifacts deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, you really want to pair Sahili with something like the Everflowing Well, 
which is the two and a blue artifact that mill two, draw two when it enters the battlefield. Mm -hmm. And then if you have eight or more permanent cards in your graveyard, you transform it into a an island, essentially, that whenever you cast a permanent, you can copy a, a you, you get to copy a permanent into whatever you just cast. Yeah. So that's like a card I would want to pair Sahili with. And then because I'm doing that, I'm like filling up my graveyard where Cauldron's really good. And like maybe I can do, start doing craft artifacts that have, you know, those are artifacts that have spell effects that want you to use your graveyard. But then mm -hmm. you're just like not impacting the board enough for my tastes. <laughs> and mm. it, it's like a really cool concept, but I haven't figured out how to stay alive while yeah. doing it. I mean, I think like you that... can play third path iconoclast to start having tokens but you know yeah but that's not triggering the problems off of you, i'm up into like copying your things or whatever it does trigger off artifacts which is pretty neat it also crews uh, there's a couple of cool vehicles that are in blue and red in the set there's a, a magmatic galleon is kind of like a sky sovereign that doesn't fly mm -hmm. and then there's the belligerent which is a legendary vehicle that i think makes a treasure and future sights you until end of turn yeah yeah but those are both kind of expensive too. They are. Th those don't feel like they have a shot to me, but I, I have been wrong before. Certainly like Sky Sovereign ended up being a lot better and constructed than I, I ever thought it would be. Although, you know, I guess you, you play one, one game of limited with it and you're like, yeah, this is probably a five drop that makes it. Yeah. Sky Sovereign's kind of like an abyss on a dragon. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of uh like third path iconoclast there's kind of a an interesting like offshoot of it here in poetic ingenuity which is tuna red for an enchantment these abilities feel like they're in the wrong order to me uh so the so the ability i want to read first which is the second ability is whenever you cast an artifact spell create a three one red dinosaur creature token this ability only triggers once per turn and then whenever one or more dinosaurs you control attack, create an equal number of treasure tokens. So it's an enchantment, so it doesn't die to creature removal. And then whenever you cast artifacts, you get creatures in play and potentially like a lot of power. I mean, you can only get one per turn, but it is a three one, which is like kind of massive. It's kind of a neat juke for an artifact heavy deck. Uh, yes the this being three mana is a little weird mm -hmm. oh there's also like there's a lot of weird enablers in this theoretical artifact deck uh though i mean it's not terrible like silkens and smelters and standard which is a two mana two two that makes three one artifact like you can sack an artifact at combat to make a, a three sure. one construct yeah. i think yeah which is a good use for the treasure tokens and it provides bodies probably a little underpowered probably put poetic ingenuity is like a three drop along with uh that the 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 two and a blue one five that whenever an artifact enters battlefield under your control you like get to look at the top two cards of your library and put one in your hand that card is really cool and that one may be more relevant just generally because it also like you know it immediately can trigger like you can get a card off of it on your turn when you cast it like it requires some some finagling, whether it's in an older format with artifact lands or like underworld cookbook or something like that. But it also like can trigger on each turn. So activating cookbook on their turn can trigger it. Uh, activating Urza Saga on their turn can trigger it. And like this could be like a, a really threatening stream of cards for 
for a a neat deck that isn't ultimately playable in the format but but i want to yeah. be yeah the, the creature we're talking about is a, a call pakal first among equals a great title for a legendary creature it is and i mean this this card is just like a really really nice design i i'm a big fan of it like i said this this set i think is full of a lot of really cool blue red artifact stuff mm-hmm. that is probably unplayable yeah because a lot of it costs three mana and the artifacts a lot of it doesn't impact the board or requires some setup like the poetic ingenuity is really cool because it it does start making creatures but the creatures are not defensive which is kind of what you need like psy was really strong because you could like even in standard it had its own standard deck right the paradoxical outcome one Mm -hmm. because it just made so many like little one ones I, and you needed the density where you could just like play multiple artifact spells a turn to have just chump blockers so you could keep setting up. This card doesn't do that because you only get one per turn. And because you're in this like I'm casting artifacts, sometimes they're creatures, sometimes they're not. The like treasure token mode is not as relevant because you don't really want to, you're not pressured to attack. You like kind of keep wanting to set up until you strangle Lord of the Board. Yeah. As much as I love the like Sahili. Three ones are not not defensive, right? Like no, they're not. No, no, I'm not saying that the sizing of three three ones is better than one ones. I'm I'm more referring to like you can't create multiple in a turn, right? And yeah, so it's hard to like make up for like I took a turn off to cast this, but then my next turn is going to be really good. Your next turn is you're getting your first free three one, and you need the game to go on multiple turns so you can get more three ones out of it. Yeah, and all the artifacts look to be like two or more mana. So waiting until turn five. And and Sai also had a body, like a good body. Right. We we do have stuff from other sets. Like, you know, all of Brothers War is still around. Like Misha's research desk is. Are we legal. combat couriering? We could Love that I'm, card. I'm down to combat courier. I think that card is legitimately like constructed playable if you have things that it that pay you off for it. Yeah, it has an activated ability for Soul Cauldron too. <laughs> it does. It's not I don't the know how best much works. Activated ability to put on could, a soul cauldron. We could attack for three with our dinosaur, make a treasure, put a plus mm-hmm. one counter on it, and then sack it post combat to draw a card, and then yeah. maybe we get an artifact that we can cast to make another dinosaur. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Wow. God, standard's so powerful. Uh, can we can we talk about the or the restless cycle? Yeah, I mean more more creature lands. They're all gonna see play. I particularly like the red black one because we, we went through a cycle of Castle Lockthwain versus Mutavault in Pioneer Rakdos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we have Restless Fence, which is an enter the battlefield tapped black red land. And you can pay three mana to make it a 2 3 uh, insect with menace. And when it attacks, you can discard a card to draw a card. Just like a mutable and a castle lock thing kind of in one card <laughs> that also fixes your mana <laughs> it doesn't come to play untapped right uh right. like mutable does but it does come to play tapped like castle lock like castle lock does. does right <laughs> <laughs> yeah this card is nice it i like that also i mean you know it, it gives you some value over a long game where resources have traded off and now you just want to pitch your extra lands to find anything i also just like that it's kind of it can be a backup discard outlet in a deck that wants to put stuff in its graveyard you just get to have it and the things don't really go according to plan but you like have this atali trapped in your hand then at some point in the game you can spend your turn putting that atali in your graveyard where you need it to be and i I like this as a relatively cheap addition 
in order to to make that happen. Uh, obviously, those decks are less likely to be real, especially in standard without Fable of the Mirror Breaker. But yeah, yeah, I was mostly looking for looking at this card for Pioneer mm-hmm. because it's just the the best option in that slot. I think, especially since it does have Menace, which is a a nice keyword to have on a creature land. We know that mm-hmm. from Hive of the Eye Tyrant, right? Yes, yeah. And I I don't know if it like it is a dual land that is nice. It, it still is tough to push. Like you're not gonna push out any Den of the Bugbears or Hive of the Eye Tyrants with this. Like it would be in other land slots in the deck. Um, but it, it's definitely an option. And like certainly all of these are gonna see like significant standard play. Uh, also, I think a Restless Archipel- or Restless Anchorage, the bird. It's uh, mm-hmm. the blue-white one that's three mana to make a 2-3 bird. And mm-hmm. when it attacks, you make a map token. Yeah. This one, I think, is really strong because it makes material. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially in this, like, theoretical, there's a million artifacts in white and blue. <laughs> yep. And this fixes your mana. And then if the game goes long, it makes extra stuff for you to do things with. And that, yeah, that I, seems like, good. I like this card so much more than Celestial Colony. It's it's not funny. Well, you don't care about hitting. You don't you don't ever want a game where like your opponent's at twelve and you're hoping to finish them like deal all twelve damage with Celestial Colony. Like that's not the type of game you ever want to be playing. I, I, it's also very awkward because Celestial Colony is a card where you either have to like soul read your opponent to get in for four or wait mm-hmm. until you have like thirty lands in play. Yeah. Uh, and I like this one where you're just like getting in and the map token you get, you can use it on the anchorage the next time you activate it if you want to put the plus one little counter somewhere. So yeah, a build your own. A build your own colonnade. <laughs> yeah, build your own colonnade. I was I was thinking build your own. Uh... Oh, Raging Ravine. Yeah, but sometimes you get a land, sometimes you get a counter. Who knows? Right. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> um, more options for the 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 turtle deck. Or you know, just oh, blossoming tortoise, blossoming tortoising. You know, the more the more creature lines you have, the more ways you can build blossoming tortoise decks. I guess you don't just have to have restless cottage. Restless cottage is still really good. It is good. Like that, yeah. one, that one is nice. Yeah, for sure. It's got the sizing of the blue black land too. That's also a four four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have we talked about Inti yet? I really like Inti. Let me go find him. Oh yeah, yeah, I like this one too. Legendary creature human knight. When you whenever you attack, you may discard a card. When you do, put a plus one zone counter on target attacking creature, it gains trample until end of turn. And whenever you discard one or more cards, you exile the top card of your library and you can play that card until your next end step. So it's got the Rafine text where you can play it and then it triggers immediately mm-hmm. when you're attacking. It doesn't it itself does not have to attack. Yeah. Uh, and then it gives it pushes through power, pushes through damage in the counter and trample, which I think trample is huge for this card. Mm-hmm. the The other ability is good, but a little awkward to use, especially if you're trying to curve out with this creature. Because if you play this on turn two and like attack, with right. your you're never drop, getting a card out of it. Then you're just not going to get a card out of it. But every turn after that, you have a chance to spike like a land or mm-hmm. a random spell off the top, because you can play lands off of this. Yeah, and you know. The red deck certainly doesn't want that many lands, so looting away lands after turn three or so is actively fantastic for you. It's not like a true rummage because, I mean, you do have to discard a card to get the, the effect. Mm-hmm. So if you're not willing to discard a card, this is just a one or red two two. Yeah. But in formats where Fable of Mirror Breaker is legal, 
when you discard off of chapter two of Fable of the Mirror Breaker, you oh, do get true. to exile the top cards of your library, the top card of your library. That is kind of sick. I wonder how many. I wonder if there are any playable things that that will like go along with this in, you know, because I don't foresee this seeing play in any format that. That Fable of the Mirror Breaker is legal in, but I wonder if there are other, you know, discard enablers when you when you attack with your black red land, you get you do, you <laughs> that one costs three mana to use, though, <laughs> four mana to use because you're attacking with your land. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I don't know. I would have to like look at what are we're rummaging with, like mm-hmm. kind of for free, because Fable is, yeah, like free. You don't yeah. have to pay more mana after you're rummaging, right? It's also overwhelmingly more playable than any other rummage card. You know, you would just get Fable for free in a deck that that you would put into into, and there, like every other card that that loots is some amount of sacrifice to put in because it's not the best card in standard. Yeah, there's lots of cards in the set. Like we haven't even talked about Get Lost, which is the upgrade to Fateful something. Fateful Absence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This card seems very good to me. Yeah. One and a white instant destroy target creature enchantment or planeswalker and its controller creates two map tokens. I like this for a lot of reasons. One of them being it kills Leyline Binding. Yeah, that, that's what I was saying. It, like the flexibility of this card is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like being able to kill Leyline Binding at and a creature in white is very strong. Uh, the two map tokens is, I think, better than a clue token because they're equivalent mana. I mean, not always. They do have to have a creature in play. They have to have a creature. So, I, I mean, I think that the main place that this is good is against decks that just like generally don't have that many creatures in play. You know, I think it's pretty bad out of a control deck when you're like killing one of your opponent's creatures with it because they can convert the maps into like damage. They might just get like plus one plus one counters out of them and just keep killing you with their creatures. But especially if they have utility lands in their deck, uh, if they don't get the counters and they hit the lands instead. Mm hmm. Yeah, bad bad news. Yeah, Restless Anchorage out of a soldier deck or whatever. Right. But out of the creature deck against the deck that doesn't have that many creatures, but the creatures they do have matter a lot. And they also have like Leyline Bindings or Enchantment Based Removal or Planeswalkers or whatever. Like, I think this is really good because it's tough for them to convert those map tokens and it's really mana efficient and it's really flexible. Yeah, this card's great. It's... It's one of those cards where you, when you picked up Fateful Absence and you've just like been putting it in your sideboard for a while, mm-hmm. you're yeah, like, you oh, I have this to. card. I'm not going to play that, play this ever again. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> killing entertainment is relevant like so often. Some blue white decks have played Fateful Absence. If you're one of those, you probably continue playing Fateful Absence because I don't think this is better for you specifically. But I think in the decks that Fateful Absence oh, like has actually been decent in. Yeah, that's what I mean. Blue eye control um, that that like it actually does good work in. I think that this is just a better version of that. Have you liked any of the gods that they've been spoiled? These are it's a cycle of cards that are creatures and then flip into a land when they die. All at the top of mythic spoiler. Uh, OK, so I like conceptually, I kind of like the red one. Like, I just want to do like play a silly deck in modern with it that just has like gut shot and lava dart and this just like <laughs> plus three damages all of your gut shots and lava darts yeah yeah whenever non-combat damage source would be it would deal damage it deals damage equal to her ashenial's power instead 
Yeah, it's a four mana four four trample. If a red source you control would deal non combat damage, it deal if it would deal less than this thing's power, it deals that much. So it, it, all your burn spells deal four damage, and if it dies, you return to the battlefield tapped and transformed, and it transforms into a land that taps to add a red, and you can pay two and a red and tap it to transform it. Activate only if red sources you control dealt four or more non-combat that damage this turn and only as a sorcery. So that's kind of the like god mechanic of the set is when they die, they turn into lands that if you fulfill a requirement, you can flip them back into gods. Yeah, they turn into their temples and you pray at the temple, yeah. They come yeah, back. It's it's cool. It, it's really neat design. It's super flavorful. I think that these are gonna struggle to be good because there's so much exile removal available. <laughs> Yeah, they don't have the the War of the Spark God text where if you exile, you go back anyway. Yeah, uh, just like cast any of these and get it leyline binding, and you're just like, okay, I guess you win. They don't really do anything when they come into play either. They're they're pretty expensive. I I, I think they're very cool flavorfully, but they are pretty bad. Yeah, the blue one is neat. Four mana, four three flying. Whenever you cast an instant spell from your hand, it gains rebound. So if you have enough cheap spells that you can put together a turn where like cast this, get a thing rebounded, and then if you untap with it, then you're you're going to crush. But that is at least a five mana play. And also this has three toughness and like even them like turning it into a land with like a one or two mana spell is like not a great exchange for you a lot of the time. Yeah, I think they kind of whiffed on if they're if their goal was to try to make the gods playable, I think they lift pretty hard. Like these are not nearly as pushed as even the War of the Spark gods are. Were yeah, where it like looked like they were very good. Like I think only Kefnet saw any play, and it was kind of about any card anyway. Mm-hmm. But they, you could like imagine where you're supposed to play the War of the Spark gods. These ones, like I can't even really imagine where I'm supposed to play these, except for no. like a commander. Well, the six mana one that triples your token production is definitely a commander card. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, the other ones I, I am struggling to see. Like the five mana six five trample that triggers on dealing combat damage to a player just seems like such a stretch to me. Right, and your reward is to get a, a creature from the top little cards of your library and put it into play. But I've already yeah. got a six five trampler that hit them, so. <laughs> yeah, so I'm doing just fine. <laughs> yeah i think it's like the blue one is the only one that has me thinking like is there something that i could do with this like given rebound to your instance could be good but it's just really bright like it 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 is like that kefnet thing it's like here's a four mana thing that can make your spells better well i can just cast my spells that's okay i I don't really want to put a four mana creature in my deck that's full of instants that seems self-defeating like the blue four drop in this spells deck is Never not the good. same card but also still seems worse than mine's blessed apparatus to me sure which is the the flash your spells are cheaper for each oil counter on it oh yeah we haven't thought about that card in a while i did earlier today when i was looking at four mana spells cards in standard to compare <laughs> <earlier too. laughs> yeah a- another card that is a tough sell in a leyline binding format your deck is like all spells and relies on mind splice apparatus and they just like have these dead leyline bindings in their hand that they then get to spend on your mind splice apparatus and shut your entire deck down 
Leyline Binding is truly a beating for it the is. Leyline Binding plus the Triomes. Like I, I don't think the Triomes were intended to be around for as long as they were because yeah. now it's like this is a very permanent based set and there's Leyline Binding just lurking in the background ready to strike. It's crushing. And we're about yeah. to go into standard season. <laughs> yeah, imagine like crafting something and then they just Leyline Binding it. Like spend a, a bunch of mana like all this time like setting up for it and and then they're just like yeah i'll just kill that for a mana i better i better craft it into a land then <laughs> i don't think any of these craft into a land they all craft into artifacts right doesn't the gnome maker make it craft into a land or is that some trigger of something else that's that's just like activate for you, you just tap five things to activate oh yeah yeah, yeah. your pre-combat main but it's kind of like crafting it's kind of like <laughs> crafting a little bit if you squint uh we didn't talk about the biggest baneslayer bone horde dracosaur but baneslayer as in like in the muldrifter baneslayer dichotomy not in the like large lifelinker dichotomy uh, Bonehorde Dracosaur is three red red for a five five flying first strike. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play them this turn. If you exile a land card this way, create a three one red dinosaur creature token. If you exile a non land card this way, create a treasure token. So if if you untap with this, it contributes an enormous amount of resources, but you will never untap with this. So I really dislike this card, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you why. This card is a dinosaur dragon, mm -hmm. and it was established in the first Ixalan set that there are no dragons, no dragons on Ixalan. Yeah, that's why Dragon Skull Summit was named by Angrath in the yeah. flavor text because <laughs> there's he only knew what dragons were; he didn't know where dinosaurs were. <laughs> so now that all of a sudden there's a dragon on Ixalan, like what gives? This has real big uh, that one dragon in the Innistrad block energy. Yeah, but Moonveil they made dragon this, or whatever. Yeah, Balefire Dragon yeah Balefire dragon yeah but this is just also a dinosaur for some reason why couldn't it just be a dinosaur there's a colossa raptor or something that's a five five flyer or a big green flying jumping thing mm -hmm. in this set it's just a pterodon right why couldn't it just yeah. been a pterodon yeah this doesn't need to be a dragon the no. card itself is is fine bane's layers are not nearly as good as they used to be especially since right now in the current like standard format because i think it's where this has the most chance of seeing play you're really kind of balancing between decks that go small and decks that go really big and this kind of fits in a spot where it's just mm -hmm. gonna lose to all the decks that go really big yeah that's actually why i think it like maybe has more of a chance in like pioneer where it like doesn't die to fatal push doesn't die to any other red removal maybe you can like dodge right through and if you ever untap with it you know it just like wins the game immediately as opposed to standard where it's like you play it and then they're like okay attracts a leyline binding it and you know maybe you can play a smaller game in pioneer where you have like thought seized them and then traded removal spells and stuff and then this comes down but generally like shieldred is just a better like last thing than anything that costs five mana right like it's neat that this draws cards and makes a bunch of stuff but i don't know where it fits it just costs like five it, mana and that's a lot right maybe we'll see it in the sideboard of like a lotus field deck 
Yeah. Because you can play any number of colors in Lotus Field. This yeah, and, and this just like <laughs> like it contributes a ton. It gives you in an enormous number of resources. It's actually kind of cool as a juke threat. And now that I'm thinking about it, like yeah. since all your opponents are gonna usually board out most, if not all, of their removal against you, you always have creatures in the sideboard. And if you can play this and your opponent's not going to remove it, it's really strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's drawing you towards the stuff you're trying to do and giving you resources along the way. That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Maybe I mean, I, I foresee it. I don't foresee it being in anyone's main deck, but it right, could potentially <laughs> be a sideboard card somewhere. Yeah. I wonder why they made dinosaurs tokens three ones in this set. That's kind of fun. It's like a, you know, it's way bigger than just like a human token. It's like, yeah, this is a raptor. It's coming at you really fast. It deals like a lot of damage. You can take it down, but like they're they're real creatures. They they have a big impact on the game. It makes them if they a three one feels way more dinosaury to me than a smaller token. I think the last dinosaur tokens are three threes, three threes, right? The- yeah. But that's like that's pretty substantial. You know, that's a creature that is worth three ish mana. So uh, yeah. this is just like you don't get them for free. Off, right. off your divination dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this the the dragon might as well make three threes. Like, what's the difference? Like, if you're <laughs> if you're triggering it, like you're doing really good. I think that's about all I can think to talk about right now. There's like yeah. a lot of cool cards in the set, but they're all very text loaded and hard to figure out exactly where you can put them. <laughs> there's there's all there will always be more we can talk about, but we're also going to just talk about this set next week too. So. Yeah, like a, this, the merfolk people in modern went crazy about Tashana's Tide Binder, which is a, a three mana merfolk that can counter an activated or triggered or activated ability and like make that card lose all its text as long as it's on the battlefield. Yeah, that but does not that seem card playable sucks. to me. <laughs> <laughs> that card's really bad. Yeah. Like if you are countering your opponent's the ring trigger, it seems like very strong, but. You have a very narrow window to do that, and it's also a three mana merfolk that's pretty also, bad. Also, guess what? Situations. Every card that's not the one ring does in the one ring deck. Kills Every other card kills creatures. Or it's drawn, in which case, who okay. cares? Yeah, you just yeah. you're just gonna lose. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do this, trying to hold up three mana to counter the one ring activation. Feel real smart when you hold it, hold up your three mana for uh, Karn or for the one ring, and they just play like Karn. Finally, like, I'll shut right. down the card drawing engine out of this four color deck. Turn two up the beanstalk. Um, yeah. Okay. You well, got you can me, you, you got can me shut there. that one down. You can shut that one down too. You can counter the beanstalk trigger. Yeah. After after they like <laughs> got their card out of it for two mana, and then they cast another one later on. I mean, they won't have a fury or anything. This is this has got two toughness. No, there's no way to kill a two toughness creature out of that deck. So there's lots of cards like that that look like they have applications, mm-hmm. and I we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Definitely not the card that I am excited about out of this set. Oh, I like this comment in the chat. I get tired of reading all the cards in the set. Me too. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> Don't worry, Rachel. We'll read the cards to you. <laughs> well, some of them. Half, some of them. Half the text. <laughs> Sometimes I read a card and it I didn't read it correctly the first time and I'm reading it on the podcast and I'm like, oh, this does something different than I thought. <laughs> well, that's just a normal experience right now. Yeah. yeah. It's unavoidable. 
And sometimes I get through the first side and I'm feeling good. And then the back side is when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then let's call it for today. And then we will have still more cards to talk about and more double-sided cards to talk about and, and lots of text uh, saved for next week. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. This set is a lot cooler than the first Ixalan to me. I, I really like it. There's just fewer two ones for two. Uh, that's the key. Yep. I'm, I'm, I just, my, well, my wish list for the next few days of spoilers is just material creating cards. I want something that makes maps at a cheap rate. Yeah. Like a, a, a map three of an inspector would be cool. There, right. There's the blue one, right? But then I want it. Yeah. I want, want a white it, one. You want it in white. Yeah. I want it in the color with the the artifact land. Yeah, they already have a couple of cheap value utility creatures for limited. Like there's the the white flyer that like when it dies, target creature explores. And then there's this bat that's like a a healer's hawk that at the beginning of your end step, if you descended this turn, you scry one. So I, I don't know how many more one and there's also the gnomes that market gnomes when it dies you oh, gain one right. life and draw the craft a card thing yeah so i don't know if there's room for that effect but you know we'll yeah see. i don't want to hear your reasonable takes it's gonna happen <laughs> yeah it's gonna be in like a bonus sheet card it's gonna be a dress card yeah <laughs> market gnome is such a weird text box yeah, it's it does something when it's exiled from the battlefield while you're activating a craft ability. That is the text on the card. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. Like, is it would it be too powerful for the text to just be when it dies or is exiled, you gain one life and draw a card? Like, what what are we? Oh, like all these craft things cost so much mana. You can't just hand me the extra craft while it's in the graveyard. Like, I can't get two cards out of this thing. Like, is that too good? Yeah, how did I even get my O3 to die in the first place to, to craft with? <laughs> like, I chumped with a 5-5, five five, and now I'm, like, activating my marginal artifact that has 80 words on the back, but also refers to the card I'm crafting with four times, and I decided Market Gnome was still the best card to craft with, mm -hmm. and I don't deserve a card? Like, come on. Especially because, like, all the crafting things, like, take into account the abilities on the card, so it's, like just having a thing to craft with is rarely that big of a bone. I don't know. I don't know. None of the craft cards seem like they're super relevant to constructed yet, but we'll see. No, not thus far. There's probably going to be one that just like is a spell and is okay, but sure. I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll, we'll get into it next week. Thank you all so much for listening. Really, really appreciate y'all hanging out. Chat, thank you for sticking with us through podcast recording. Uh, if you're at home and would like to check out live recording of the podcast, that happens Tuesday evenings on twitch.tv slash CCR underscore grindcast. And uh, if you want to check out just the stream generally, I'm switching into pioneer mode because RCQ season is basically over and I'm now getting ready for uh atlanta rc so we're we're doing pioneer it's off to an okay start don't play gruel is my my big takeaway and phoenix seems <laughs> fine we're, we'll we'll have more data after future streams thanks everybody for listening have a great week bye <laughs>